if we have a ton of clients here and we whoa have, oh my god whoa no, you blatant. didn't even know that that was blatant on you wow this is getting interesting all right I should keep score of something in it. i need to take a break from that one because I, I didn't see that <laughs> what is up everybody and welcome to the fat prat chat this is john and i'm going to give you a little bit of an idea of what's to come in this episode First of all, if you're wondering what that intro snippet was all about, well, you're going to have to listen to the episode and you'll see why James and I decided not to say the word client and why we penalized ourselves throughout the episode for saying the word client. So you can have a little bit of fun with that and keep your own tally on how many times we say that word. Uh, First and foremost, besides that point is if you've been listening to these podcasts, thank you so much. It is greatly appreciated. And a bunch of you have given some feedback as far as the audio quality and the uh, sound, whether it's too loud or most of you think you're saying it's too quiet, any of that feedback is really, really greatly appreciated and can help me on this end as I edit these. One issue that I know has come up is that our voices come from one side of the speaker versus the other. So when I'm talking, I'm out of the either, either the right or left speaker versus James, and that's really annoying. I heard that too, and I don't like that. So I'm trying to figure that out on this next coming episode. Bear with me and just give me all the feedback you can, and I'll try to make the adjustments as we go. All right. So today, uh, question and answers. We're going to do Q&As from members here. This was the first day we did it. I think it went really well. It'll be really relatable, I hope anyway, to anybody listening. So our first one is why am I not losing weight in the first month at the gym? All right, so if you've ever been there or ever wondered why the first month you don't seem to see any changes on the scale, James and I touch on the reasons behind that. Question number two is uh, a really good one. A lot of people have this question is, should I be more flexible to start training? Um, Or do I have to be more flexible in general? So we talk a little bit about flexibility, mobility, range of motion, all those fancy words, and uh, kind of give our thoughts on to, kind of give our thoughts about how important we think that is and whether or not that should stop you from training and achieving your weight loss goals. After all that, uh, the topic of the day is on retention, which you may or may not find interesting. Um, It's not so much about business-related reasons for retention. I think those are obvious. But more so what we do for our members uh, consistently, or at least what we try to do, to keep you all here and happy and training versus our experiences, that's James and I, at some other gyms and what we found that doesn't keep people doing that. So that's everything I got for you. Have fun. Sit back, relax, or whatever you're doing. Maybe you're driving right now, listening to these episodes. Oh, one more thing on that note. Let me know if these are too long. Uh, They're getting a little lengthy. I think we're going to try to start after this episode, um, start chopping them down a little bit shorter. So if that is better for you, maybe a half hour or 40 minutes, let me know that. Okay, that is all I got for you. Enjoy episode four and keep that feedback coming. <laughs> Can you do that a little longer? I think I think the people liked that last time. We are recording now, by the way. Perfect. And James is getting closer and closer to rapping on this podcast. I think if we can all put a little pressure on him, he'll do it one day. A little bit of beatboxing one episode, a little yeah. bit more the next. Yeah, I might just start talking in rhymes. And then I'll Not take your audio rhyming. and I'll just speed it up a little bit. And I'll just cut it in as needed. Today might be the best chance yet because... We went with Starbucks instead of Dunkin' Donuts today and the cold brew, the nitro version. So a little bit more wired than usual. 
but yeah, we'll see where this takes us. If I'm really feeling it and I feel like I have some bars in me, maybe <laughs> mid-podcast, just bust out in a rhyme. So the fact that you're wired, does this mean that we're more likely or less likely to have another longer podcast than the previous? Because that's our track record so far. Every single podcast has been longer than the one before. Well, Joe and we've Rogan's, done a lot of them. Joe Rogan's are what, three hours? Yeah, so, right, so that's, that's our what goal. I, that's what we're shooting. <laughs> this episode, three hours minimum. I think we could do that. Good thing we have nothing else to do. Nothing. All right. I wanted to start off by making the case of one thing. And this was Sunday, and I texted you, and I texted Nicole, and I said, what do you guys think about, instead of calling what we do semi-private personal training, which I think is a, getting a little bit watered down, a little bit overused, and not necessarily create any clear vision of exactly what it is that we do at Pratt Performance. How about the term group personal training? So at the moment, I thought I was inventing this term. And then I go and look at it. I Google it, see if I can find any other facilities that do it. And I see it's in like, uh, the term is in some textbook. And it has like 20 things listed of exactly what group personal training is. It's in a textbook? Yeah. It's in, I believe it's in the ISSA personal training certification really? textbook. Yeah. Really? And um, the description is to a T what we do. Um, and I feel like it's so much more clear um, in the description, in the three words, group personal training. Like you're doing personal training in a group of people. Whereas semi-private personal training, like I don't really know what that means. Like uh, am I with a lot of people? Am I with a few people? Uh, am I doing personal training? Am I doing a group training exercise routine with everybody else that's also doing the same thing? All valid questions when you hear the term semi-private personal training. When you hear group personal training, I think it's uh, fully comprehensive that you were doing a personal training session amongst others in a group, but the session is individual to you, which I think is exactly what we do and what we're good at and how we differentiate ourselves from the majority of fitness-related facilities. Um, Who's with me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say that for a period of time, I was asking all the members on the floor, I say all of them, but I asked 15 to 20 of them on the floor, how they would describe this to a friend in one sentence. And nobody said, oh, I just tell them it's semi-private personal training. Nobody said that. People said more often something along the lines of it's personal training in a group. So I think we're onto something with that. Um, and as I'm thinking now, semi-private training, I guess, could mean, even if we say semi-private personal training, that could mean that you're personal training and there's another personal trainer with another client right next to you. And that mm. could be semi-private personal training. Yeah. Semi-private. A lot of wiggle room. And I think what's frustrating for me with the term semi-private personal training is when I first heard the term maybe eight years ago, it was associated with the customization of the programs from the people that I learned the term from. And I thought that was genius. Now semi-private personal training has kind of ventured off into just being the amount of people that are taken in an hour for a training session and has no relevance to the actual individualization of the training program per individual. So I'm a little upset with where the term personal, semi-private personal training has gone. Because if it's a, if it's a group exercise uh, session and everyone's doing the same workout and the trainer is responsible for modifications, I just always thought semi-private personal training was directly linked to custom programming, but it seems to have gone a different direction. Therefore, we're on the hunt for a different term. And if anybody else can think of anything else, shoot it our way. But I'm, I'm on board with group personal training. I think we're changing on everything. I think we're going to change the name of the business to group personal training. We're not going to have a name. 
GPS? Group personal training. GPT. GPT. Where did I get the S from? <laughs> <laughs> Just making up letters. Group personal training. GPTS. Group personal training systems. That's it. Maybe that's where I got the S from. That's that's <laughs> definitely. It wasn't just me not realizing what I was doing. Okay, so I don't know. Are we gonna have a vote? Or are we just gonna make that decision right now? Uh, I'm just throwing it out there. I just I feel like I need a couple more positive vibes. Okay, so so positive vibes. If we get enough positive vibes, we're not sure how many, but if we feel as though we've got enough positive vibes, the business name has changed completely. On a scale of one through ten, I need just like a six on positive vibes. That's all I need because I'm a 10. So if I get a six from everyone else, or if everyone else is pretty sold on it, then we're completely sold and we're changing it. I think I'm sold. I'm like a nine right now. Nice. We'll have to ask Nicole. When she gets here. Yeah. She's definitely not here. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely don't want to hear her opinion yet. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. So that brings us to client questions. Or should we say member questions? Should we say client or member at one point, mm -hmm. we said we were going to call people members yeah. or squad. Well, here we go. That's another vote. So here we go. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. So instead of semi-private personal training, group personal training. Instead of clients, members. There it is. What would you rather be called? Let us know. The people talk. Okay. member. I'm going to go with members for today. Member questions. We're going to start doing these, uh, I think, at the beginning of every podcast. I don't want to make promises because I'm not sure. Um so member questions of the week, we have two. We're going to go to the first one, and then we're going to get to the topic of today after these questions, which is retention. And basically what we do to try to keep you guys here and training and working out and progressing to your goals and why we think that's important and then what other gyms do or do not do that is different than what we do for retaining people. So first up, question, why am I not seeing results in the first month? This is a great question. And as a personal trainer, I got this a lot. And I was able to pretty easily answer this question, but it was fun. And I'm sure you got this too, James. It was fun watching other trainers not be able to answer it. Well, I wouldn't say fun, but it, you had to cringe a little bit when other trainers kind of got that. They maybe over-promised and under-delivered on that first month. And then they got that question and just kind of like panicked. They didn't really know how to answer that. Uh, but I, I always had a really solid answer. And I think it goes back to setting expectations. Um, but what would your answer be to our members who think they're not seeing results in the first month? Yeah, that's a good initial point is setting the appropriate expectations first. Uh, and I think if you prioritize building the habit with clients first, instead of saying like, hey, expect to lose eight pounds in your first month, lose two pounds a week, it's just as simple as that, um, then you're on the right track. But my, the first thing I would bring up is you probably are seeing results relative to where you would be if you haven't been coming to the gym. So I think a lot of people, when they first come in, they're trending upwards in terms of weight gain and fat gain and, and uh, losing strength and you know whatever it is that makes them come into the gym. Like they are going in the wrong direction of what they want to accomplish from a fitness perspective. So now they come into a gym and if they flatline from that point for the next four months, like that's progress. And we'll take the example of one month for right now, but let's say someone's gaining one to two pounds per month every month for the last 12 to 24 months. Now they start exercising. They're coming to the gym two to three days a week and they don't lose any, they don't lose or gain any weight, or maybe they lost one pound. And then a lot of times clients will, ooh, 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 lots of times members, <laughs> lots of times members will come up Can to we us. A strike system, <laughs> a strike system, because that's something I noticed digression 
when I was editing the previous podcast, we say clients a lot. So we're going to have a strike system today. James has one strike. We're going to have a voiceover one for every strike. time we say clients that it'll just randomly say members. Like a robot. Yeah. We'll use Sydney's voice. <laughs> <laughs> if you watched it, if you watched, if you listened to a previous episode, you'll know why we just made that joke about Sydney's voice. We're not um, that mean. But yeah, in that first month, if you are now not gaining weight anymore, that's progress. If you've lost a pound or two in a month, that's progress. And then with the take into consideration that you're probably resistance training and strength training at a volume much higher than you typically would, we can make the assumption that with strength, strength gains, that you're actually improving your muscle mass a little bit to the degree that if you weigh the same, you potentially replaced a little bit of fat with muscle. So I think that people are seeing results. They just have an expectation of what they're going to accomplish in a month. That's like you said before, somewhat unrealistic. They think if I go to the gym for one month, I'll lose the 15 pounds that I put on over the last 24 months. And that's just not a realistic expectation, regardless of what you've been sold on infomercials or strict diet plans or, you know, some hardcore strategies that promise you that you'll, you know, lose the same amount of pounds in the same amount of days that you actually uh, abide by this, whatever strategy it is. I think uh, the latter point you had there, um, gaining muscle, losing body fat, I think that happens more than people realize in the first month. And the problem is people don't see that right away. So most people that come in, uh, whether it's personal training or group personal training, they want to lose weight. I think the majority of adults want to lose weight. And they're only measuring that by the scale number. So when that scale reads the same, and we talked about why that could be, they're like, well, I didn't, nothing happened. I didn't get any results. When realistically, most likely what happened is you haven't been strength training, you haven't been uh, resistance training. So you had a pretty good response to that the first month where you gained some muscle mass, you probably lost some body fat, but there was a net zero on the scale. And because the only way you're measuring that is the scale, it seemed as though you made no progress. And then as a personal trainer, what was really uh, easy to fall back on was my, um, the notes, uh, the not the notes, the program from the session I had. So I could walk somebody back and say like, look, like we, we talked about this first, that you may not see visible results in the first month. That's probably more likely two to three months out. And second, like we did make progress, you know, whether the scale showed it or not, you got stronger, you did better on your cardio times. You know, I have all that data to show somebody that we're moving in the right direction. And like, it's only been a month. Yeah. And, and more importantly, are you enjoying the new habit and the new process that you're going through? Are you enjoying coming to the gym two to three days a week and getting them to, to not think so, uh, you know, so be so tunnel visioned about if I don't see a 10 pound weight loss per month, then working out is pointless. Um, and any time that we've had circumstances like that with clients, it with members. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> strike two for James. <laughs> Anytime we've had that issue with members, it's been because we didn't set the appropriate expectation when they first came in and telling them that if you plan on losing 12 pounds in one month, then we're probably not on the same page right now. And let's, yeah. let's find out where that same page is. Yeah. If, if you remember, most of you went through that. Most of you members went through that before you started with us. And we asked that question, you know, how much weight do you want to lose? And when do you want to do it by? So that we can have that conversation when somebody says, I want to lose 20 pounds in this month. We can say, whoa, like, we don't think that's actually reasonable and maybe not possible. And if we can't agree on that, maybe this isn't a good fit for you right now because you're going to be mad at the end of that month when you don't lose 20 pounds if we didn't have that conversation. So most of the time we can walk somebody through saying, you know, maybe 
three to four months is a more realistic and sustainable goal for that strategy of losing 20 pounds. And then, uh, then at that point, the expectation has been set. So after the first month, you're not going to get that. Amen. All right. So two strikes for you so far, zero strikes for me. Just saying. <laughs> it's going to happen at some point. All right. So that was the first question. We have one more to go over. This is a good one. Got this one all the time um, in assessments as a personal trainer. Uh, and here as well, we hear it a lot. Do I need to be more flexible to start training? Yeah. Yeah, we get that a lot. Um, and I think, I think client members, I didn't finish the word. Does that, that count as a that strike? Does, that's that's 2.3, maybe? Oh, it's a half strike. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to put that here, but I'll, I'll put a little half symbol. You have two and a half strikes, by the way. Fair. Uh, check swing. <laughs> I think if members have dealt with a personal trainer before that over the last decade to 15 years have been uh, heavily influenced by the functional uh, trainer, yeah. the trainer who prioritizes uh, mobility and flexibility uh, prior to training and actually trying to improve fitness, then that's mm. who we end up having these conversations with. So I worked with this trainer or I read online and I heard that I definitely need to improve my flexibility um, before I'm able to actually work out hard. And I think there's certain systems that have abide that they abide by that policy of like, hey, you know what? Don't do anything until you set the foundation of mobility and stability. And uh, until you've uh, maximized that, then there's no point in picking up weights and uh, actually training for fitness. Um, and I know that that's where a lot of trainers went. When I was first uh, first started getting involved in the industry, uh, I'd say. 12 years ago was when that movement really started to pick up for me where I was being exposed to a lot of this information that took everyone somewhere along the lines of uh, create mobility, create flexibility before you start training. And I can't even begin to tell you how many clients I turned off and lost because of that approach. By the way, that one didn't count because you're talking about previous clients. Not yeah, that that's You didn't right. even know you said that's it. That's right. Didn't I didn't even, even catch on to that. This is a great, this is like a game for me right now. <laughs> Uh, uh, so. Okay, so, well, on that point, how demotivating is that when you come in and you want to lose weight and you've probably been trying for a long time and you don't know how and you find somebody that you think has the answer and they say, whoa, like, you can't touch your toes. We have to work on that. Like, forget about working out. Like, forget about cardio. Like, we got we to gotta work on mobility. And I used to see that at some of the other gyms I worked at. And it used to frustrate me. And I used to see trainers lose clients quickly because they're like – you know, spending half hour of an hour session stretching. And granted, some people wanted that, some people appreciate that, but that was the minority. Most people just were like, hey, I wanna move around and sweat and feel like I'm burning calories. And, you know, as a trainer, you should put people in the best scenario to do that. And maybe you think that mobility is important, but like, yeah, let's work on that, you know, later on maybe, and get this person some weight loss first. And then let's hear your take on this, James, because. I didn't prioritize mobility for people who came in that wanted to lose weight or get strong or something, even if I thought they needed it. And the crazy thing happened is they just gained that mobility mm. from proper strength training, like yep. doing training that they could do right now and coaching up a good squat or a deadlift that they couldn't do before and just getting stronger in the right places. All of a sudden it was like we hadn't even worked on stretching hamstrings and somebody could touch their toes, whereas they couldn't do that before. Or, you know, they gained a mobility or, or whatever you want to call it, range of motion in their shoulders somehow because we just did proper strength training. So it was like I got what that other trainer was working on with strict mobility just by doing strength training. And the client was like, okay, 
I feel a ton better. I lost weight. And now as a bonus, like I'm more flexible too. Did you ever have that happen to you? Yeah, 100% all the time. And I think number one to the, to your point before, if flexibility is not your goal, then it's probably something we shouldn't prioritize. Yeah. I would hate to have to tell the, the member that just walked in that, hey, you the goal that you just told me, yeah, we're going to we're going to put that on the back burner. I'm going to do some stuff first. So sure, let, let's not end. get stronger. <laughs> the back end or the, let's have another vote. Should it be the back end or the back burner in this scenario? This is, it's a hot debate on the yeah, staff. This, right yeah, this is this is something that comes up in meetings. All this the is time. very important. Uh, but okay, let's not work on getting stronger. Let's not work on fat loss. Let's work on flexibility first. I, that that just that sounds like a a really easy way to lose a client. Yeah, and, uh, I, that's happened to me a ton uh, in the past. So one, what is your goal? If your goal is fat loss and strength training and trying to get stronger, feel healthier, um, and lose weight or lose fat, then spending 20 minutes of a session on flexibility or range of motion type drills probably isn't your best bet. Um, now, can we actually achieve the goal of flexibility or increasing range of motion without prioritizing it from a, from a passive stretching concept? Absolutely. I think a lot of people who end up losing weight and developing an aerobic system tend to actually move better uh, once they start to lose weight. And I think that's, uh, I think me personally, I'm a good example of that in that when I played football um, and I was 50, 60 pounds heavier, my range of motion was so much worse than it is now. And I've done nothing uh, in the past decade besides like train pretty hard. Um, go through full ranges of motion on all exercises. And my range of motion has definitely improved, uh, not a ton. Uh, I won't be in a Cirque du, Cirque du Soleil show anytime soon. <laughs> but uh, like my ability to touch my toes has increased dramatically. Can you touch your toes? I cannot. <laughs> not cold. But, but you're, I'm, you're I'm closer. so much closer. closer. I'm so much closer. I in, in one of my exercise science courses, I actually did the worst on the sit-reach test of 22 that was students. my jam in high school that sit reach that was my yeah. best event in the what is it called the presidential fitness yes for us old people yep. do they do that anymore i don't know i don't they know probably don't but yeah that was easily uh easily the, the i did the worst in that class so like i've definitely increased in range of motion um but that's not really my goal at all I, I want to get stronger. I want to look better. So I'm going to train specific to that. And I'm not going to invest 20, 25, 30% of my training time on flexibility training. Now, if you come in and you say, I want to increase my mobility. I don't care about getting stronger. I don't care about looking better. I don't care about fat loss. I want to get more flexible. Oh, no problem. We will train range of motion uh, specifically for the majority of your training. Uh, and I, as ironic as it is to say I, I can't touch my toes, I'm a, I'm a mobility specialist according to a certification course that I took. Um, so I actually I enjoy taking people through like flexibility and range of motion type drills. But I, it's just such a small piece of the pie in the overall scheme of individuals' goals that it's just not a priority for me to put that in people's programs. And that's something we all agree on across the staff. Like, is it great to do some range of motion stuff here and there for shoulders and hips, uh, ankles, you know, like do some T-spine rotation stuff? Absolutely. But ultimately, that's almost nobody's goal that is here. That's not, that's, nobody has ever come in and said, what's your number one goal? And they said flexibility. That's literally never been said to me once. 
So ultimately, do you, and now I think another important point is, do you need to be more flexible to train? Absolutely not. But you probably need a program that has respect for the range of motion that you currently possess. So if you really struggle to get deep in a squat with your feet flat on the ground, then you probably shouldn't do that exercise with weight right now. But could we build you constraints that allow you to now go deeper in a range of motion? Let's say, I don't know, if we put a, a wedge underneath your heels that elevates them a little bit. And then all of a sudden, for a variety of reasons, you could bend your knees and drop your butt straight down to a squat and bend your knees and hips way more than you were previously. If that's the case, then we just probably made a modification relative to your mobility that allows you to now fully range a motion squat way more than you were before we added that heel wedge, added that constraint. So we could, the, nobody has, uh, a lot of the members that come in, very few of them have incredible ranges of motion, but almost all of them train full range of motion if we give them the right exercises and we build in the right constraints for those exercises. And that's why we customize the program, to make sure that we're not putting people in borderline dangerous positions. Uh, the other example that I think is fairly obvious is if we're, if we decide to do Olympic lifts with somebody and they're doing a hang snatch where they jump and throw the bar overhead and catch it, uh, very few people have the shoulder range of motion to catch a barbell in that position, especially when it comes to general population. And now I'll add on the fact that I don't think that uh, has a, a ton of benefit for most people's goals. I would consider it a higher risk exercises with a moderate at most reward. So putting someone in that position where they're doing, you know, snatches for, you know, reps on reps, I don't think makes a ton of sense and potentially puts people in a high risk situation. So like that's a two examples of how one, how we can we build a constraint to have you do the exercise perfect with great form, despite a range of motion limitation. And then another exercise that we would probably just eliminate altogether because it's not a great fit for the majority of the populations that we train. Man, I thought that was a good answer. I hope you members appreciate that answer. I, you know what I'm going to do? Because I think that answer was so good. I'm taking that half strike away. That was, <laughs> James only has two strikes now. That was a great answer. Oh, and as a bonus, you touched on the heel wedge, with that, which I think is like another question that you just answered. I'm sure people have a question about that. Because there's not much time in an assessment to ask, like, why are you throwing this random blue heel wedge thing under my feet? You know, somebody will ask real quick. We'll have to give a quick answer. There's not enough time with everything we have to do to fully explain what that does. But... You all just got a little insight in that, too. So, yeah, you only got two strikes now. So you're doing great. I'm back in the game. Back in the game. All we need now is for you to lay down a wrap. <laughs> take those two strikes. I'll take two strikes. If you wrap right now, I'll take both these strikes away. Uh, all right. I'll think about it. <laughs> think about it as we go to our next subject. All right. Those are the client. Oh, no. There's one. There's me. one. I was just there about to say go. those are the client right. questions. And talking about you members. I, and I, I feel I bad for you because you just did a good deed for me, and then you get hit with a strike right after that. But yeah. that's how games turn around, though, you know? <laughs> you just you, you give me an inch, and all of a sudden, we're one strike away from each yeah, other. Yeah, see what happened? I'm never taking a strike away from you again. <laughs> okay, uh, topic of the day is retention. And um, I think at face value, this may sound boring, or you, you'll assume this is boring. So trust me, this is going to be less about the business-related reasons for retention and more about what we do to keep you training and why we think it's important to keep you training and what we think other gyms do that is not great that prevents you or leads you to stop training. So first question on retention is uh, simply why do we at Pratt Performance Systems care about member retention? 
And the joke's on John, because I'm going to find a way to include the business portions of these questions. Oh, I didn't say we were going to disclude it. Did I say we were going <laughs> to disclude it? I knew it was going to be in there, but it's not the focus. It's going to be mine. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, but for the most part, what do, what do we do differently? I, you know, uh, what do we do differently that gives us the retention numbers that in discussing things like this with other fitness business owners, I think a lot of them have been fascinated uh, by the amount of clients that we retain. Uh, and I think they're surprised by um, how few new clients we bring in on a monthly basis, but still tend to increase our, our, uh, our amount of members every single month. Um, so go ahead, back to the question one more time. I just want to preface that. Yeah, back to the question. Why do we at Proud Performance Systems uh, care about member retention? Oh, yeah. So I, the whole business, I think, was kind of set up on that. Uh, when when starting semi-private personal training, what the business is formerly known as and now known <laughs> as group personal training, um, I think when we first started, like the goal was to just do a really good job for the clients that were here. Um, never was there really a, a good strategy of like, hey, how do we get you know, 30 new leads from Facebook every month? And then how do we convert eight of those people? Um, that was not even a thought. And how do we force them to do a 12-month contract too? Yes, right? yes. Like none of those things were a thought. The only thing that we focused on, and I say we, but it was just, uh, just myself doing the semi-private sessions at the time. But the only thing I cared about was giving people a good product and a good experience. I remember when I first started, I was doing the morning and the night sessions, and I took the night sessions originally way too late. I think I, I, I kept training until 9 o'clock every night because that kind of resembled my personal training schedule uh, before that anyway. But ultimately, I just wanted to like make sure everybody was happy. Um, so I wanted to give them a really good training program. I wanted to work them really hard so they saw results. I wanted a flexible schedule so they can get into the, the sessions. I wanted the, them to enjoy coming and enjoy uh, – the environment of being around me and other clients. Um, I just wanted everyone to be happy. Um, so that's kind of what the foundation of the whole business was set up on is like, you know, now you call it something like retention, but like customer service was the only thing that mattered. There was no Facebook ad. There was no Instagram handle. Um, there was no ask for referrals. There was nothing like that. It's just provide a really good program for everybody. And then, you know, I'm sure they'll stay because it's good, you know, and if they like it, they'll keep coming. And if they keep coming, they'll see results. And if they come and they see results, they continue to pay, uh, which of course is a good thing from a business standpoint. So uh, the only thing that mattered when we first started was quote unquote retention and customer service. Um, so I think that still is our foundation, uh, you know, five and a half years later with many more staff members and um, staff members that don't train at all, I think everybody understands that the foundation of this and how it started and how it got here was because we only cared about customer service. We did not care about Facebook ads, Instagram likes. Uh, we didn't care if you told your friends about it. We just wanted to appropriately service each individual. And I think because of that, uh, that foundational layer of what we do, it's been easy for everyone to prioritize customer service over everything. Yeah, that's good. Um, and, and the end goal of all of that is to keep all of you training consistently and regularly, whereas it's kind of hard to do that in some other places. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. And we'll get into the frustrations that lead people to not use other services. Uh, so we sort of answered that second question I had uh, in what do we do to increase retention? 
that's basically what you just spoke on. Uh, so is there anything different now, present? Because you were talking a little bit more about when you first started this all. So is there anything different now that we do, um, not talking about getting more people in the door, because we do more of that stuff that we previously didn't necessarily care about. Well, we, we do more stuff uh, to get people in the door now because we do want more people to experience the product, more people to train here. We think we have a good product that's better than what other people in the area do. So what do we do differently now, anything, uh, to increase client retention? Oh, no, that's two. <laughs> and we've got a game this on is, our hands. This is tough. <laughs> this is tough. I was doing so well. I got... I if got, no one's listening to anything we're saying, they're at least listening to see who's going to say C-L-I-E-N-T next. <laughs> if Oh, if you spell it, could I put that down? <laughs> I don't um, think so. I'll, all right, it's tied right now. Two and two. Two, two. It's big. Let's see where this ends. All right. So uh, ultimately for retention now, we definitely have uh, – we, we the same principle applies. We're trying to make everybody as happy as possible when they're here. We're trying to design great programs trying to have them see great results, trying to make sure they have fun when they're here. How do we go about that? Like We've changed our equipment layout probably yeah, every point. couple of months now. <laughs> every um, few weeks sometimes, every few days sometimes. Yeah, so I, it just makes sense <laughs> to me that if we have a ton of clients here and we have, Whoa. oh my God. Whoa, you didn't blatant. even know that. That was blatant. We're up to three on you. Wow. This is getting interesting. All right. We should keep score of something every time. I need to take a break from that one because I didn't, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> wow. All right. So uh, I think like investing in in the facility and things that we're doing uh, just only makes sense, you know. So how do we improve the product? We get more equipment. Uh, we get the skill mill treadmills. We get the hammer strength line of equipment. We make sure that when bands break, we replace them. Um, you know, we make sure that we're wiping everything down, that we have enough wipes that uh, – Every time people use things, they never have to question whether we have the appropriate sanitation stuff, you know. So I think all those things are play a large role uh, in retention. And ultimately, like, we're reaching out to everybody constantly to make sure that um, they're enjoying their experience. Uh, the last thing that I want is to be blindsided by somebody and saying, like, you know what? I've really disliked the gym for the last two months, so I'm quitting. And then my question is, like, man, why didn't we ask? Why didn't we find out? Why didn't we know that this person wasn't enjoying their experience? Um, and we kind of have indicators. Like we have uh, qualifiers of clients and different. Wow, four. Jeez. This is, this is messing us up now. Uh, yeah, because we keep saying it. And then we talk about how we how, said it. And that would about, stop a mind. How about first one to members, five? Members, 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 members. <laughs> it, well, this is unfair because you got four of them at two. First one to five, we stopped. That's and I was just on a roll. I, I felt like I was, uh, roll I was getting right in the zone. I was get, right, just you know getting in the zone now. You know what? Next time I'm not going to stop you. I'm just going to write it down. But yep. you're going to see me do that? No, I'll close my eyes. Okay. I always close my eyes when I speak into the microphone anyway. Nobody knows that. <laughs> With my back turned to John. <laughs> yeah, we. if you remember. <laughs> um, all right, so where were we? I don't know. We were talking about... We were talking about... I might need to rewind. I might need to stop and rewind for the first time ever. We had a really good flow going. There was yeah. like zero breaks here. Yeah. I ruined it with the strike system. No, I ru you know what? It's not your fault. It's my fault. Yeah. I ruined it by saying saying the word we said we weren't going to say. Um, I think we were talking about um, a member oh, who had yes. quit and well, you want to know why and we have indicators yes, as to why. Yes, yes, yes. And there it, yes, there we go. So we have uh, indicators for our clients that... Uh, Jeez. The amount... 
The amount of we can't uh, do this anymore. Yeah, we, so we, we have, uh, we're done. We're done. We're not we keeping have, score anymore. We're gonna say clients a few more times. Get over it. <laughs> Eventually, we'll start calling you members, and, and that's only if you want to be called members. We don't even know this yet. If it's important to you, we'll fix it. All right. No more. No more tally. We're gonna just get, get uh, to this. So ultimately, we have three things that are important in uh, making an assumption of our retention. So. Amongst these three things, if you are all three of these things, like you possess them from a personality standpoint, work ethic standpoint, all, all these, a few different things that we take into consideration. If you possess all of them, then there's a high likelihood that you're going to stay with us for a very long time. If you possess some of them, then we have to take into consideration what it is that, uh, that you don't have and see if that's potentially a reason that you won't stay. Um, and then ultimately, if you don't have any of the qualities or virtues that we think plays a role in you uh, staying here for a long period of time, then we'd actually be surprised if you end up staying for a long period of time. And that's just uh, that's just worked out um, over the years where when we have the, me the members that have what we think we need from a member to be here for a long period of time, when they have those three things, they're here for a long time. When they don't, then they're usually not, or they're at least on our radar for someone who uh, potentially won't be very happy here because we may ask them to work harder than they want to. Uh, we may ask them to remember information a little bit more than they want to, or uh, you know, they may not like the fact that we have a lot of members here um, at a given time and they don't necessarily want to socialize with anybody. So ultimately, um, you know, we have our indicators of you know, what the likelihood is of keeping a member here and happy for a long period of time. And then again, it comes down to customer service, just making sure everyone's happy, seeing results, and working hard. I know a few of you are dying to know what the indicators are, but it's top secret information. <laughs> there are there there are is there are is a hint of it on the program, but you'll never know what it is. Mm. Search. It's in it's on the back. Good luck. <laughs> uh, okay, this could be a fun one. So I think uh, both of us have worked in other gyms as personal trainers in the past. And we've both experienced things that uh, don't lead to good member retention or a good product for the members uh, or a member coming regularly. So speaking to both gym membership at a, at a level like where you're just a basic gym member, you show up, you do your own workout. I have some stuff to say about that. I think James does too. And speaking to personal training and what it was like in other gyms. So I want you to describe, James, what uh, describe one gym that you have worked for in the past. You don't have to say the name that you thought did not have a good system to keep people in the gym and why? Yeah. The first one, the, my very first personal training job 15 years ago, 14, 15 years ago, uh, I was a personal trainer. I would go up to people and ask them if they wanted to personal train with me and borderline beg, like trying to find a roundabout way to beg them to come train with me and try, try, try a personal training session with me. And then once I convinced someone, I was able to do this personal training session, and then I passed that person off to someone else who would ask that person for the money uh, for that person to come train with me after that. And I just, I always, I just thought that was so interesting. Like I go up to this person and I try to convince them to just do a free session with me, and they know exactly what I'm doing, and maybe they are there, and maybe they are open-minded to personal training, but I go up to them, I ask them to do a free session with me. They do the free session, and then I give them to someone else who tries to sell them on continuing personal training with me, which uh, from where, where I was was not cheap. 
So you have 60 minutes with me, and then you have to make the decision on how many thousands of dollars you want to spend for personal training. Yeah, that's a big ask, isn't it? Yeah. So I I always thought that was interesting off the get. And, um, you know, at that point in time, I was 19 years old. And I just I found that fascinating. And, uh, you know, a, a, par, a part of me would be like, hey, this is just what the industry is. This is what you do. This is personal training. Um, but at the same time, like, there, there's got to be a better way than this um, to try to get somebody to, you know, pay a hundred dollars an hour for personal training. Um, so I, I didn't really like having to do that. Uh, I failed a bunch of times through conversation with people trying to convince them to do that first personal training session, which I think always brought awkwardness afterwards between like members of the gym and myself. You know, if they if they had to turn me down for a personal training session, I feel like uh, I kind of put them in a weird position that they had to say yes to me, and if they didn't, then they have to face the awkwardness of seeing me every day after they turn me down. And then if they decided not to sign up after that first session, they now feel like, uh, I feel like they just took advantage of me in that one hour. Um, so they probably feel awkward about that now too because they decided not to purchase. And then if someone did decide to purchase, now they're laying out a ton of money where you know I really have to deliver of the over these next 10 sessions, we'll say. And then I after that, I have to, pass them off to someone else to ask them again for more money. Yeah. So it was just such an interesting dynamic um, where from a personal training standpoint, it just didn't seem to make a ton of sense for me. Um, now, when it comes to membership gyms, I think it's simple. It's really tough to stay motivated to go to the gym when no one's holding you accountable to a session day and time. You know, I think part of the what works here is that you schedule your sessions each week and then you show up at that time that you scheduled and after that, it's out of your hands. You're here and then... <laughs> We tell you what to do, show you what to do, and coach you through it. Whereas uh, I can't tell you how many, how many people, when we ask the question of what hasn't worked for you in the past, 75% of people say, I've been a member at a gym for a very long pe- period of time, paid hundreds of dollars, and I never go. Yeah. You know, and I find that really interesting too. Yeah, that's tough. Um, and that's one of the main issues that we have solved is just, just knowing what to do. And that's what the personal training industry as a whole has, you know, solved to some degree. There's still a lot of uh, craziness that goes on out there. Um, my experience at a gym, we'll call it a, more of a discount brand, was really frustrating and I'm really glad for the experience because I learned a ton there. Um, so like James was talking about, he would go on the floor, approach somebody, and I was in that, that position too at, at another gym, which I thought had a much better uh, product and a better way of approaching the whole system to try to keep people more engaged at the gym uh, and more connected at the gym is, is a term that they would have used. And I thought they did it pretty well. Uh, so I'm not going to talk about them at the moment, but the, the previous one, the more of the, the discounted gym environment. Um, trainers would, you know, ideally approach people on the floor awkwardly as it is, uh, try to get a, a free session or offer some advice or, or just any way they could gain some interest on the gym members and to, to you know, show them a better way to do things and hope that eventually you would pay somebody to show you a better way to do things for a period of time. Uh, I was in the position where I was primarily responsible for selling all of those contracts and super frustrating because there was a huge priority placed on these long contracts. And like every time you sold one that was like a month or two or three, everybody was like, what? You lost. Like you didn't sell a 12 month. Like now we're going to be scrambling for money. You know, six months from now, you sold a bunch of short contracts. What happens in six months? because the product wasn't really good. And thankfully, I thought I did a great job at the gym where I was. 
And I thought I didn't get fairly treated for that job. So that was part of the frustration of me parting ways with them. Um, but the system they had in place didn't do good to members, in my opinion. Uh, if all the members, you know, showed up on a consistent basis and utilized the gym, there would have never been room for the members to work out uh, in this specific gym. The, the memberships were way oversold. Um, and then the personal training, at least before I got there, because I did some staff changes and things to the point where I, I was confident in that product that people were getting. And I was confident in my trainers to deliver a good product. Um, before that, like the product was terrible. So if you were in the position of selling personal training and you didn't have good trainers, and remember, this is a gym where the trainers were not very highly incentivized to do a good job. So people who were good generally left to better jobs uh, and we couldn't keep good trainers. So the, the position was tough because you had to sell somebody on training uh, who likely hadn't heard of a good experience of a member there before. They're hesitant and like you're being pushed to sell them into a 12-month contract, which people didn't want to do that. Who wants to lay out 12 months you know, worth of commitment when they haven't even potentially met their trainer yet? And they're not sure of the product. So I always felt terrible and I wouldn't push people to do that. And I would sell one month if people were comfortable with that. And what happened was people liked it. So they would sign up again. Um, so our gym started doing better than the ones in the area, even though we weren't selling these 12-month contracts. But then I just couldn't see eye to eye with the owner of the gym in the approach that I was taking and the priority he was placing on these huge contracts at other gyms and like so the numbers to me were smoke and mirrors because the other gyms may have had numbers that at the at the point actually our numbers were beating them but they seemed good but nobody was in their training so the trainers weren't actually making any money the members weren't actually coming you know the personal training clients weren't attending and they were paying for a product they weren't using which i thought was terrible at the end of the day like isn't the whole point to help people and i felt like we weren't able to help people in that system uh, so I learned a lot of uh, good and a lot of bad things, um, things not to do. I'm glad for that um, experience. All right. Uh, anything else on, on retention? I think we kind of covered most of it. No. I think ultimately just like some, some bullet points I think are important is, one, make sure you have an awesome product that's worth paying for. So if you don't have a great training product, then nothing else really matters. Uh, and no matter how good your sales and marketing team is or your capabilities of generating leads, if you're not uh, keeping people in your gym, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really challenging to succeed. Um, don't let it be cheap if it's not. Uh, if you're putting a lot of time and effort into customizing programs and uh, making sure that everyone's uh, you know, reaching out to the, the customers, it, it, there's no way that with the time and effort and energy that we put into what we do, that we could have a cheap product. So there will never be the day that, oh, you know, prep performance is $99 a month. Like there's, there's just no shot. Um, you know, we do group personal training. So relative to a personal training session, we're incredibly cheap. And a lot of members have come in here expecting rates much closer to personal training after their trial experience in which they've been shocked as to how cheap it is. Whereas others have come in and they've been in like group fitness settings that they pay somewhere between 70 and 100 bucks a month and they think that oh that's what you should pay for workouts and a workout is just a workout and they don't really uh, understand the differentiation of what we do versus what other group fitness gyms do but ultimately uh we're you know we put way more time and effort into everything that we do i think than anybody else that i'm aware of so there's just uh, there's no way that if uh you know if you're going to go to a gym with people that put a lot of effort 
into what they're doing that it could be cheap. Uh, you have to actually try to change the lives of your customers. Um, if you don't care about that, then again, nothing else matters. Uh, and hire people that actually want to change the lives of your customers too, uh, which has been really big for us. And being able to find like-minded people, people that want to change the lives of other people via fitness, um, that's been a game changer. And that's mandatory in the hiring process. If uh, if I'm you know if I'm talking about if I'm talking to someone about coming on board and being a, a prior performance trainer, I have to see the passion that I feel in myself and I feel in the staff that we have, that they genuinely want to change lives for the better. Um, take in people that want their lives changed from a customer standpoint. Uh, if customers come in, they're like, yeah, you know, uh, working out's cool. I guess I'll uh, do it. You know, maybe, maybe it's cool. Maybe it'll work. Maybe not. I don't really care. I just don't know if that's uh, the client that is best fit for us. Member. I don't think that's the member that's best fit for us. Members that come in here, it's it's not cheap enough that you could just come in here and just hang out and just call it a day after a you know a half-hearted effort for the workout. So, people that come in here, if they want their lives changed, we want to change their lives. But we can't change their lives if they don't want their lives changed. So, taking in people uh, that actually want their lives changed and actually like asking them the questions necessary to determine if that's what they want. And um, giving them the opportunity to open up to you about exactly what it is that they want to improve on. Uh, keeping it fun for the staff and the customers. Uh, just being real people, which I think is very easy uh, when you don't have some like stiff, you know, uh, buttoned up shirt, collar, uh, you know, collared polo. Uh, you know, make sure you say hi 12 times a session type of uh, strategy of training. Like we're, if you hire good people, people will organically have a good experience. If you have good customers, then good customers plus good staff create a great environment. Yeah. So it's really that simple. And when that's when that's the case, everybody could just be themselves and have fun. You know, I honestly feel like sometimes like we have parties going on here all day long. Like <laughs> just it just like everyone's working out, having fun at the gym, but it's like it kind of has this social environment too that. You know, everyone's suffering together, but everyone's also laughing. They're joking. Like, people make fun of me all the time, which is fine because if I decide to make fun of you back, I'm probably going to win. So, but like, I, I just feel like it's okay, such a. <laughs> I, yeah, it's just so you know, he lost the challenge today of the strike system. So, that's right. Yeah. Good just, don't, just don't challenge me to a who doesn't say a, a certain word lesser. Um, <laughs> took the loss on that. But. Uh, just it's fun to be able to do that. Like I love being able to joke around uh, with our customers, like they're my friends or family, you know. And that's that's really rare to come by. You know, if someone comes comes up and like, they show up late, that we can just joke around with them, and be like, oh, you know, you know what happened? Traffic, stoplights, you know what happened today? You're, you're running late, and then they could laugh about it and like come up with some excuse, and we could debate on the validity of the excuse. Like uh, all that stuff's really fun, and uh, we try not to take ourselves too seriously. Um, yeah, it's, it's it like it circles back. I just wrote a note here uh, that being great at retention for all the reasons we described previously leads to even better retention, um, and then it leads to better relationships, which lead to more retention and more fun and more better, uh, more better. Yeah, uh, I think that's the second time I've said that. Mo better, at least mo better relationships. Mo better. <laughs> I meant to do more that. better sounds weird, but mo better is perfectly fine. <laughs> Um, and then, and then in the end, it's rewarding for us and the members because uh, we get to take part in their journey here. We get to celebrate, you know, the goals and accomplishments, and it is like a party sometimes. It's awesome. Like it's definitely work, um, 
at, at more some days more than others. Uh, but that level of retention and keeping members around for a long time, we get to celebrate so many milestones. You know, that's going on this this past year right now. Like I could think of a bunch of members off the top of my head that I've been able to celebrate with them on the floor, their little wins, their big wins, and it's awesome. Uh, and I think, you know, that leads to further retention and that social aspect that we have here at the gym. Yep. And then lastly, I probably the best way to leave it off is provide results. Uh, I can't tell you how many members we get in here for an assessment that actually loved what they were doing before, but after they signed up for it and they were doing it for a period of time, they got hurt and then it happened again and then it happened again. And they almost come in here saying, you know, I, I really liked what I was doing, but I can't do it anymore because I keep getting hurt, although I enjoyed it. Um, so, you know, being able to create programming that keeps clients healthy while they see their results, members healthy, while they, while they see results, um, that's huge, you know, and, uh, you know, being able to beat people up and, you know, deal with people that are, uh, that prioritize getting a great workout. Um, that's kind of easy, honestly, but keeping them healthy while they're able to work really hard is a whole different dynamic. Definitely. Um, so that's huge. And then being able to provide the results on the, from the perspective of losing fat, getting stronger and building more confidence. You know, that's the baseline of everything that we try to do. You know, people, you know, members that come in here, uh, they have fat loss goals, they want to get stronger and they want to feel more confident. That's why they came in here. Um, so if we could do that for our adult population, if we could do that for our athletes, get them faster, get them stronger, have them build more confidence, uh, providing results is a, is a huge uh, a huge variable when it comes to retention. All right. So, so closing thoughts here. One, I'm not sure if we broke the record on longest podcast yet. I'll have to see. I don't think there's any edits. I, I can't think of too many edits I have to do on this podcast. So it might be the 50 minutes that I see in front of the screen right now that we that we see right here. I might not take much away from that. So I don't know. We'll I think say. I stumbled. I stumbled a few times. Let's take those out. Make me sound. I'll make me those. sound more I'll well-spoken. I'll double the stumbles. I'll copy those stumbles and I'll put them in other places too. You'll put a client in front of the client every time I say it. <laughs> client, client. Oh man, could I, could I pull that off? <laughs> and oh, you know what I'll do? Like maybe one time I'll put an echo in. So when you say client, it echoes. A Our client. Times. Our client. I don't know if I could do that. And uh, what was the other takeaway? Oh, you didn't rap on the podcast. That's mm. four in a row. No raps. So You'll have to those tune are my in two next week. <laughs> Maybe next time. <laughs> We're going to say that for a while until yep. you actually do it. Absolutely. But when you do it, because I think it will happen, when you do it, it's going to be great. Hopefully. But all I can say is if I'm listening to this podcast and I wanted to hear me rap that badly, I should just keep tuning in to see if it happens. Good point. You're never going to know. Just like the three qualities, you'll never know. Exactly. See you guys. Peace. Clients. Later. <laughs>